This is the last coffeehouse, and today we are talking about Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston. I read this part of a book club. I go to book clubs now. So I thought, why not? Kind of an interesting thing to talk about. It was written in like, what was it, like 1930? I didn't do, <laughs> I did no research for this, so just bear with me. But Zora, Zora Neale Hurston wrote it. I think it was around 1930. I looked it up. It was 1937. Okay. <laughs> so just to make sure that we're, we're clear on that one. So it was written by Zora Neale Hurston. It is about a young woman, Janie, and her struggles in 30s America. I think it was set around the same time. The setup is that she is, she's got kind of an arranged marriage and she flees that to find it. You know, really it's a romance is what it is. She flees that to find somebody else. Richard Wright actually was pretty heavily critical of Hurston and this book in particular because he, he thought it flipped treated the plight of African Americans in the country. And one thing that was revolutionary about the way that Hurston wrote was that she just wanted to write a, a romance story. You know? She just wanted to write a simple story and kind of the setup is structured to make that possible. So what she does, like I said, it's her grandmother who's kind of pushing her into a kind of arranged marriage. And then she flees that and ends up at a like an all-black town. And so this is kind of where she is and she's functioning here and, and getting along with people and trying to deal with her her new husband and all that. And I'm just going to give like a general opinion, kind of a review at, at the front of it, because I think ever since it was on Oprah's book club, <laughs> that's what will do it for you. Ever since Oprah lauded it, the book, it kind of had a, a reemergence because it was out of print for a while. And then it had a reemergence once that happened. It has some very glaring weaknesses about it. But the good things about it are very good. The things that I like the most are the setup, number one, and the colloquial dialogue. It takes some time to get used to it. But once you do, it's refreshing. One thing, like I'm going through Tom Jones right now and I'm just, I'm so bored with the language and it's so long <laughs> and it's about a lot of the same things because it's about marriage and dowries and, and all that sort of thing. So, so it was refreshing to kind of get this different take on it. And there are some, some nice literary flourishes in some of the descriptions and, and those are occasionally f refreshing too. Some of the bad things though are significant. So if you want kind of a different take and to be intrigued by a colloquial dialogue, you know, it's kind of a mix of if you put Huck Finn and Pride and Prejudice together, <laughs> ultimately it really is just just a power fantasy is what it is. It's just a simple fantasy. It's like uh, if you want the male equivalent, it's like an action movie. It's, it's making yourself for a, a guy or traditionally anyway. It's making yourself super strong and attractive and you suffer adversity, but look how incredibly you overcome it. In this book, everything around the main character is an ornament to make her look better. That's that's what it's about. And it's not it's not that she's an untrustworthy narrator, you know, where that's that's part of the story. It's that it's it's poor storytelling. <laughs> like the other characters are not real characters and she's not a real character. It's all idealized, it's an idealized world, specifically to glorify the protagonist and that's what's really frustrating about it so like i said it's it's not a long read you know it's pretty quick and it i was never throughout the entire th i was never bored i was never like oh my gosh when will this thing be over i was looking forward to what was going to happen i was looking forward to the language i love the dialogue so it kept me going throughout the whole thing so i certainly appreciate that it's just ultimately when it comes down to it it, it really does have superficial characters and the plotting and everything around it is specifically designed to glorify the main character which is what you know something like an action movie does that's the whole point and it has some other curious things so that that'll be the end of my like non-spoiler review so if you want to go read it then go read it like i said it's only like 200 pages something like that
If you want to go read it, go read it. You can come back to this. I'd appreciate it, but I'm going to go deep into it. So talking about some of the, the deeper themes and ideas and stuff. Like I said, the characters aren't real characters. They are ornaments. So number one, like her first husband, there's this curious thing. Obviously, this is written in the 30s, so there are different mores, but you have to pay attention to what the book condemns and what the book does not condemn. And it's it's kind of funny the way that works. So number one, her first husband, like she says something about... Uh, like she criticizes him in some way at some point uh, as things are not going super well. He he gets out there and plows a whole bunch. She does the cleaning and the cooking, you know, traditional gender rules. And he says that he wants her out there doing some plowing too so they can have, you know, more yield or whatever. And she it's critical of him in some way, like saying how I'm going to leave you. I think she she ran into the, who will be the next husband like on the road or something like that. And she was debating whether to go. And so she threatens her husband that she was kind of set up with. And there's there was a part of the book where it specifically says that she hurt him and so I thought at this point I was like okay well so this is a real character because the book is critical of her doing this this is a bad thing that she did she shouldn't have done this he's actually feeling hurt but then you go through the rest of the book and you realize that's that wasn't the point of that that series uh, the point was to show that she was getting one up on him so that she can leave having vanquished the first the first of the male foes <laughs> Which, again, the whole thing is structured, specifically structured to be, it's a fantasy, it's a power fantasy. So, once the first husband, she just leaves him, she runs out on him to meet with this new guy. The new guy's Jody, I believe. So, Jody, just inexplicably, has a whole bunch of money, and... Uh, he knows about an all-black town, and that's where they're going to go. So that's where they head off to. And she's ecstatic, and he's just, like I said, he has uh, tons of money and decides to open a store and uh, becomes the mayor of the town just automatically. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of when, uh, like, Han Solo or somebody becomes a general. I think in, in Empire Strikes Back, they, like, call him General Solo or something like that. <laughs> it's like, that's not how that works. Like, you don't just get to... <laughs> You did one thing, and then suddenly you're uh, you get to be in the military and have a high rank like that. It's not how it works, but it's just like you, you and your friends playing around with your action figures, so you can do whatever you want with them, and that's what it, this feels like. It's that he just gets automatically elevated, and he's the the talk of the town, and the center of the universe. Uh, I mean, not he's not even the center of the universe. It's she's the center of the universe, and he's an ornament to her, so it gives her that uh, that position. Now they start going on, and uh, he's becoming more and more successful. She works in the store but doesn't like it and gets annoyed by it. He, she has to cover her hair is one thing. By fiat, he says, you must cover your hair because her hair is so glorious and beautiful when it's uh, long and braided. This is what I mean. So there's one incident where there's like a mule that people are beating the mule or making fun of it or something like that. So the guy who owns it's not taking care of it. And then she expresses to her husband that it, it just it bothers her. Why are they doing this to this mule? And so he buys it for her so it'll be okay. And then when it dies, they have like a funeral for it and all sorts of other stuff. Now, the point of this kind of plotting and the point of the actions of the characters around this, you know, it doesn't have anything to do with the internal motivations of any of those characters. All of it was for the purposes of glorifying the protagonist. And that's what I mean. It's incredibly superficial. So as you're going along, then Jody beats her in front of everybody in the store at one point when she like stands up to him because, oh yeah, he was calling her old. <laughs> 
And, and she's like, ah, oh, you're old too. And it was like the first time that she stood up to him. So he beats her in the store. So what promptly happens, I mean, the book condemns this as, you know, this is a horrible thing for him to have done and all that. Not only this, but all of the characters in the town, like everybody, they're constantly interested in what's going on with her and her and her husband. And whether it's positive or negative, like, oh my gosh, he's so lucky to have a girl with such beautiful hair and all this other stuff. And But she's the center. She's the, the focal point by which all of these things turn. So as you go along, though, you end up with he beats her and then promptly... <laughs> It turns out that he's dying, and on his death, she gets to be the one, she gets the news and gets to be the one to tell him the news that he's dying. So she, like the author, uses this plotting point and completely makes this guy's deathbed... (laughs) And his death and everything about it, about her. You know, she gets to go in there and be the one to divulge that you're dying. She gets to be the one who has this attacking moment of saying, no, you did this wrong thing. He's like, come on, I'm dying here. Will you please just not? And she's like, no, well, you need to hear this because there's not much time left and you have to acknowledge that... (laughs) I'm I'm super important in the center of the story. So his whole character, his whole life and death and everything else was specifically about that. Again, through all of this, I'm not bored and I'm enjoying the dialogue so much. That's what's keeping me, driving me along in this storyline. But again, you run into this, this character, this character, the only point of him is to glorify the protagonist. Then moving on from that, like she gets the store and she's running it, but she hates it. I think it, it doesn't talk anything about her elevating herself and and working hard and making more of the store or at least keeping it going because she didn't have any business expertise or anything like that but she it doesn't talk about how she learned all this stuff and figured it all out herself and the smart things that she did to to maintain the profitability of the store or keep customers there or anything like that Uh, the only thing I remember related to the store was she was bored one day not doing anything while the store is apparently running uh, incredibly well she had like one person helping or something like that but she completely uninterested in the whole thing the author and the protagonist and one day uh, a guy comes in tea cake and he's uh, then tea cake walks in and he's painted as the idealized like i said he's just easygoing and funny and he's like in his 20s and she's in her 40s And, and he inexplicably is just devoted to her no matter what happens or what she does. And every time she brings up something about her age or something like that, he's just like, no, not at all. Absolutely not. You're super gorgeous no matter what. So they, he doesn't have any money. They end up getting married. She has money from the store. And everybody in the town, of course, is talking about it. I'm not sure which happens first, but at one point, like some... <laughs> It's funny because the author makes a point to call this girl chubby. It's like the only character in the, in the story that she makes sure is referenced as the chubby girl. And the chubby girl tries to flirt with Tea Cake. And Tea Cake's like, she's worried that he's going to want to be with her. And uh, the, but then Tea Cake like rebukes the chubby girl. <laughs> effectively it's just like again it's just more the it's like establishing that he's so he's desired but doesn't want anybody else inexplicably is just completely enamored with the protagonist yeah sure so they're going on and at one point she takes two hundred dollars again this is the 30 so it's a big deal she takes two hundred dollars and puts it in her coat when they go they go travel so they're like going to a hotel or something he gets a car he borrows it from somebody he doesn't have any money and this again where you think okay well they're gonna try to round out some characters here because tea cake actually takes she finds the money's gone and then later finds out that he took it and when he comes back she's like where what the hell were you doing what do you where'd you go and did you take my money and he's like uh yeah i took your money and i went to the casino (laughs) 
it's like, all right. So we're going to have a, a real flaw in this character that they're going to have to overcome. You know, throughout the rest of the, rest of the book, they're going to have to discuss this kind of thing. He's going to have to rebuild trust and all that. But no, no, absolutely not. So this is this is a real cost. This could be a real cost between these characters that they have to work on. But instead, he explains it that, oh, it was $200. I've never seen so much money. I just held on to it to make sure it was safe. But then when I had it, I was like, oh my gosh, I have so much money. So he like goes and parties and gambles. <laughs> and, and he only has $12 left because he went and bought a bunch of stuff too and paid for drinks and all this other nonsense. So he has $12 left, but he's like, I'm going to take this $12 and go make your money back because I'm really good at gambling. And you're like, okay, well, obviously if he's really good at gambling, he'd have a whole bunch of money. So he must not be. So he's probably going to lose that too. And then they're really going to have to deal with this. But again, the book is not condemning him or saying he's such a horrible person for having done this. It, it glosses right over it because he's supposed to be the ideal, the ideal mate. So he goes and gambles with the $12, makes 300 and something dollars, uh, but he gets like slashed because he was so good at gambling. <laughs> the thing again oh my god because you can't what's the drama here if he just goes and makes some money there's nothing so he has to get slashed or something uh, because they're horrible gambling people but it completely nullifies that conflict and completely nullifies the cost of that thing happening in the story it no longer costs anything. Again, these characters are incredibly superficial. They're just idealized archetypes that are fluttering around the center. You know, a bunch of moths <laughs> fluttering around the light. That is a real fo is the real focal point. It's the real center of the universe. So he completely nullifies that conflict, gives her back her money, and has a whole bunch of extra money. And again, like this is where the plot doesn't make sense because if this character was so capable that he could take twelve dollars and make two hundred, make three hundred out of it, then why has he never done this before? He explicitly said that he'd never seen that much money when he had the $200. So why the hell, if it was so easy, why had he not done that before? He never came across $12 before? He never came across $1 that he could turn into, you know, $50? That doesn't make any sense. That's trying to play both sides of the net. That's uh, that's terrible storytelling. They go on and they, I don't even know, I think she, she sold the store at this point and had like $1,200 in her bank account. Again, inexplicably expert at managing the store and doing business deals related to selling of stores. And again, just no interest in it. There's no like time taken to say how she found a buyer or <laughs> she negotiated or anything like that. It's just it's fantasy. It's uh, it's like the the action hero who's inexplicably incredible at fist fighting uh, when he's never been trained on any of it. So they go along a little bit longer and they end up at a new house at some point, uh, but there's like a, a storm, a hurricane coming through, so they end up in the storm. I know there's some stuff in between here where like Tea Cake's friends or something like that, but I, I can't remember the specifics of that and it doesn't really matter. But so there's a storm and in the storm, everybody's getting swept away. There's one guy, what's his name? It's like sofa bed or something. It was something really ironic uh, because he, he ends up sleeping through the storm. Like he just finds somewhere to sleep and survives it. Which I don't know. I don't know about that, but they're like caught up in this and it's like flooded. So they're, she's being swept away. There's a, a cow floating. <laughs> There's a, there's a rabid dog on top of the cow and she grabs onto the cow and the dog's about to attack her but tea cake like jumps in and and saves her from the the rabid dog but gets bitten they make it out of there and obviously you know she's still got her money and then a couple of months later or something like that he's getting crazy or he's trying to drink water and he's it's not going well so he keeps spitting it out and then they call the doctor and the doctor's like he has rabies oh no he, there's no cure for that because you have to be you know you have to take the vaccine early on before you're symptomatic it is it's really curious they'd never encountered this before or this was not something they knew about and 
then obviously if he had gone straight to the doctor after after having been bitten by the dog, especially since she had plenty of money, even he had money at this point, then this would have never been a plot point. He would have been perfectly fine, but it didn't. So uh, the doctor says, like, first, there's no way to cure him, so there's nothing we could do, but then, yeah, I'll send some medicine. Just go pick up the medicine. What? And the doctor was white, I believe. Like, there's not much about race in this except this through line that white people seem to support and be helpful to the main character, Janie. And she compares herself to white people a lot, where she says, uh, I'm a little more, my characteristics are more white. And she meets one woman who is light-skinned, who says that we should have our own race, you know, mixed, who doesn't like tea cake because he's he's so dark. So there's this thing going all the way through, this weird thing where she tries to align herself with white people. But otherwise, they're pretty much excluded from the story, which is perfectly fine. I didn't mind that at all. There are, I mean, there are novels that specifically want to deal with this sort of thing and novels that don't. And I completely understand, and that's why it was so kind of special at the time. And what makes this book special is that it's, it's really just trying to tell a story. You know, it's telling a story from my perspective. I don't need to make it all about uh, white people. But anyway, so TK is, he's got rabies, and so he starts, the doctor, like, tells her he's gonna start acting crazy, uh, so don't sleep in the same bed with him. Not like, uh, he's gonna start acting crazy, so don't be around him at all, or send him to a, you know, hospital, or something like that, so, or tie him down, nothing like that, which, again, would have nullified the whole rest of the storyline. So he's in bed at one point, he starts acting crazy, he gets up to, like, go to the bathroom, and she finds a revolver under his pillow. This whole thing was so stupid. She finds a revolver. It has three bullets in it. Instead of taking the bullets out or taking the revolver altogether from an irrational, rabies-addled, crazy person, she just flips them to the empty slots. <laughs> I don't know, my gun lingo. So when he pulls the trigger, she has some time to get out of there. <laughs> And she's supposed to go pick up the medicine. I don't know what the medicine is supposed to do. I don't know why she's picking it up. It doesn't make any sense. But she's supposed to go pick up the medicine. But she is, like, talking to him, and he's finally going crazy. Goes and grabs the the revolver, like, out of the pillow. And he's like, ah, I'm gonna kill you. Starts pulling the trigger. And then she whips out, like, it's Red Dead Redemption. Just whips out a, a rifle and shoots him. Now... So many things wrong with all of this. I mean, there's so many things. Obviously, like, this whole thing is supposed... It's just a dramatic moment to, again, free up the... (laughs) the protagonist and it's a manufactured dramatic moment for the sake of having a manufactured dramatic moment obviously he could have been cured right away uh, the doctor could have said hey don't spend any time with him don't be around him at all because that's ridiculous she could have just taken the gun instead of leaving a loaded gun with a, a rabies addled crazy person and she could have just left you know once she saw the gun if she wanted to leave it there she could have just left and talked to a doctor or called the police or something like that but she did not so she shot him and killed him and then the rest of the novel is her on trial for his murder again just curious plotting the beginning of this loved it as it went on what the hell is this so then we get to the the trial and like even there are weird things about this too i mean one of the funny things was like like getting ready i don't know if this is how court worked back in 37 but (laughs) it's like the judge is like oh can we just start the trial now It's like, all right, like we don't have to do any kind of preliminary hearings. We don't figure out evidentiary rules or anything like that. What's going to be admitted? No uh, motions in limine or discovery or anything like that. We just need to... (laughs) 
we just go right to the trial. I'm not a criminal attorney, so I don't I don't know if uh, that's how they do it over in the criminal world. But it's just bam into the trial, and then uh, she said she testified, and all the people thought all the jurors thought that she was justified in the shooting. I don't know whether any questions about <laughs> taking a loaded gun away from a crazy person, whether that came up in the trial. But anyway, so they go through that. And then again, the same motif was that the white people in the crowd all supported her, but the black people were really angry that she wasn't found guilty. And then right away, that cost is nullified because all of Tea Cake's friends were just like, oh, it's all right. <laughs> They were all, all cool again. And then she ends up, she's like talking to somebody, like an old friend. She went back to the original town and she's just got a house and talking to an old friend. And it was just, ugh. the end of this is trash. It's just utter trash. It's just pure fantasy. The protagonist center of the universe and that's it. So, okay. So that's, that's the book. That's their eyes were watching God. Like I said, it's pretty short and the colloquial dialogue and the storytelling, like the plotting moves along. It's, it's terrible when it comes to the... <laughs> the structure and the details and all that but it moves right along it's got lovely dialogue to read it's just really fun so that's that's their eyes are watching god thanks for listening this has been the last of the coffee houses okay thanks bye (laughs) 